Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Today, if you're new with us, if you're a guest, we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's an Old Testament book written by an unidentified person containing a, a collection of teachings from what he calls the teacher. Now, most people believe the teacher is King Solomon, David, King David's son, who has wisdom, has knowledge, has wealth, has prosperity, has everything he ever wanted. During his youth, his 20s, his 30s, his 40s, he walks away from the Lord, pursues everything that might give him meaning and purpose. And and this is thought to be the end of his life, Ecclesiastes, a collection of everything that he's learned in his pursuit to see what satisfies in life. And if you've been with us, and if you haven't, you can check out all the sermons online. We've every single week looked at, through the lens of the teacher, different things that you and I might look to to see what satisfies, and he's been fundamentally tearing our world apart. How many of you hate Solomon at this point? How many of you love him? It's mixed messages, right? His words at times are a beautiful gift that stir our hearts and make us want to cry for joy. And then at other times, his words makes you want to get a bag of potato chips and just eat it all because it doesn't really matter, right? It's a collection as we look at Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Today is one of those sermons. There's both sides of this. There's a part of this that's going to make you want to laugh and dance. And there's a part of this that's going to make you want to cry. My favorite type. All right, here we go. Ecclesiastes 6, verse 1. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun and lies heavy on mankind. Now, if you hear that first phrase, here's where you think he's going. Oppression, racism, darkness. There's an evil that I've seen and it lays heavy. Here's the evil. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. Our word is hevel. It's a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. The words of the teacher, Solomon, a gift to us. I lead a city group that's full of young adults. Uh, most of them are, actually I think all of them are unmarried, some of them are dating, some of them are in a serious relationship, many are searching for a relationship. Our conversations every week in Ecclesiastes have been awesome. I don't know if your city groups are like this. As Solomon, this teacher, is, is inviting us to look at our lives, to examine our lives. He's actually putting our life under a microscope and he's disrupting us. And it's awesome in my own life. I feel the own, my own disruption. 
I study this all week long in preparation for these sermons, and I walk around, I feel a heaviness in my heart and my soul as I'm wrestling with these deeper things of life. It's fun in my city group to watch these young adults wrestle through what this teacher might say to them, but it's such a big, it's such a beautiful gift. Some days we love Solomon and some days we hate him. But I believe that his words are a beautiful gift to us. Breathe through the Holy Spirit of God, through the pen of whoever took down Solomon's teaching, now to you to say, how might we live this life well? When I was a little boy, there was a famous movie. There was a movie that was out that was my favorite movie by far, and it's kind of been nostalgic because there's now a Netflix series based off the same movie, and that is The Karate Kid. Any Karate Kid fans from back in the day? There's only a few of you that were back in the day when Karate Kid was out, so I need you guys to help me on this, right? So the Karate Kid is, is based off this character, Daniel LaRusso, which, by the way, can I tell you how cool it was as an elementary boy to have the same name as the Karate Kid? Yeah, just, it was awesome. Who wants to learn karate, he's getting bullied at school, and his sensei, this, this, uh, this man from Japan, comes along, Mr. Miyagi, to teach him karate. And Mr. Miyagi is kind of like a Yoda character, has all sorts of, of good phrases and good, good things in life. And so here's one of Mr. Miyagi's phrases. He says, lesson not just for karate only, lesson for whole life. Whole life must have balance. Everything be better. In my young adult group, as we've talked about Solomon and trying to make sense of, don't be a fool and squander your wealth. Don't be a fool and try to get a bunch of money. Don't be a fool and only live for the good times. Don't be a fool and miss the good times. Anyone else feel like, how do we do this? Have you felt this? It's balance. I think Mr. Miyagi had it right. Everything is about balance. Life is about balance. And in this passage of Ecclesiastes chapter 6, and then in a second we'll look at a few from chapter 7, you're going to see the reality of this balance. So here's what the teacher says. Here's the evil I've seen, and that is a man whom God gives everything, and he lists some things, wealth, possessions, and honor. He has it all. He has wealth. He has what he needs. He has possessions in life. When you see honor, the Old Testament, uh, this is an honor-shame culture. Honor means he has a family, he has children, he's well-respected. That's what honor means. That the teacher sees the biggest tragedy in life is this man has honor, wealth, possessions. He has everything. He lacks nothing, yet his heart does not enjoy them. Now, before all of our minds go to the wealthiest person we know, can we put ourselves in this category? 99% of us this morning have everything we need. When the Bible talks about everything you need, it is food, clothing, shelter. We have everything we need. Half of the world doesn't have those three things. Half of the world struggles daily to find those three things. We get stressed about a new iPhone. We have everything we need. 
And Solomon gives us a picture of a man who has everything and he's lying on his deathbed realizing he's missed what's most important in life because he's been searching and he looks out upon his kingdom and all that he has. And I guess it's Solomon himself he's talking about. And he looks back and he says, what did I do? I've wasted it. So it's the biggest, one of the biggest evils he's seen in his life is a man or a woman has everything in their life, but they don't see it until the end, and it's too late in the end. In verse 3, he says, if this man, if he fathers a hundred children, and again, in those days, a bunch of children were the status of, it was the status of honor. Wow, there's a man, there's a woman with honor. Look at their family. So that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with the good things that he has. If the whole time he's living his life and he's saying, if only I had this, if only I had this, if only. And, and Solomon makes a really hard statement here. It's a statement, I think it's meant to jolt us. He says, a stillborn child is better off than he you feel, you feel the sting of that sentence? Some of you have walked along or maybe experienced yourself a death of an infant. And Solomon uses that sentence to jolt us that we might wake up from our, from our quest of I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more, and to say, what do I, look at all that I have. Look at all that I have. One of my favorite uh, artists, musicians, has a line in a song. I was listening to it this week when I was studying. I was like, this is it. He says this. Is this everything you ever wanted now that it's everything you have? What a great line. See, if we go back 10 years, the things that you said, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, the things that you said, if only you have now, are you satisfied? Well, of course not, because now if only... And what Solomon sees as a great tragedy is men and women spend their lives, if only in the next season of life or the next thing, to get back at the end and look back on it all and say, it was a waste. I never enjoyed it. Hill City, have you ever stopped to consider all that you have? Think about this. You, you woke up in a beautiful home or an apartment. You had a roof over your head. Your thermostat was set to 70 degrees. You may skip breakfast on the way. You'll get it afterwards. You had good coffee this morning. Have you looked at everything you have? Have you pulled out your keychain, seen how many keys you have? And to think generations before us have had none of these. It's an invitation of Solomon to look at what we have and say, thank you, Lord. What a gift. Because until you're content with what we have, why would God give us more? Think about it. Why would God give me more of something I have no contentment over now? 
And, and again, I'm talking to all of us. The, the, I think the danger in Ecclesiastes, when we talk about money or stuff, is we all in our mind go to the richest person we know that has more stuff than us and say, no, this is for them. Hear me. There is not one of us this morning that doesn't need to repent somewhere. Right? Repentance is this beautiful, turning my heart back to what is true. There's none of us sitting here or standing up here that has no place in our life where we need to repent. Have you looked at all that you had? Here'd be a question. When do you tell yourself no, even when you can't afford it? And again, all stage of life. Whether that's a $3 Starbucks drink down front, or that's a $3,000 new bicycle. When do you tell yourself no? So if, you're, if you've been around our church, you know that we're working on a property over here for a future home at Hill City. It's almost flattened. It's almost ready to start building. And there's going to be a season sooner rather than later. We're going to come to our church and we're going to say it's time for us together to sacrificially give to make this happen. We have a future home for Hill City to do ministry. Can I tell you the truth? I don't want to give generously. I, Daniel, want some rich person to write a $5 million check and it's done so that I don't have to say no to myself. But what Solomon, I think, is teaching us is, no, actually, it's a gift to say no to myself. Because sometimes in saying no, I can look around to what I have already. He says, what a tragedy. There's a man, there's a woman who has everything, and they don't enjoy life's good gifts. Hill City Church, don't skip the good gifts of today to get tomorrow's, quote, paradise. Because you can live that way the rest of your life. Don't work yourself to death, Solomon would say, to buy stuff you don't need because soon your life will be over. See, the fool doesn't realize this till the end, and it's too late. The gift of Solomon is he'll invite you to go to the end, laying on your deathbed. I know you don't want to go there. He'll invite you to go there. Actually, it's a gift if you go there every once in a while. Laying on your deathbed, looking back and saying, what was truly important in life? And then to, to go right back to where you are today and say, okay, how do I live that way? We all need these moments. There's not one of us that doesn't need to repent right now of where we are chasing something, trying to find meaning and purpose that is not there. Are you enjoying life's good things right now? Adults, take your kids on an adventure. Enjoy them. You won't have them, always. Young people, not even young people, all of us, put your phone down. Push pause on your Instagram account. Take a break from Netflix. Yes, I said it. Take a break from Netflix. Put your phone down and look up. And look who's around you and beside you. Enjoy life right now. Solomon will say this, ride a bike, take a walk, breathe the air, and enjoy being alive. And to look around and say, what a gift that I have right now. That's what the wise person does. He says, what a tragedy that a man had everything, but he did not enjoy it. 
Now why? Why, why is this the reality? Because here's, here's the reality for all of us. And this is going to go next. Go to sec, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Because bad days are coming. That's why. Why do you need to enjoy your life right now? Because for many of you, it's a good season. Life is going well. Here's what Solomon says. That's great. You better enjoy it because bad days are coming. Some of you are in them right now. Chapter 7, verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. Precious ointment is what they would put on when they would go to a party, to a celebration. Think perfume. And the day of death is better than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For the, this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Ooh, there's a good sentence. It's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. The living will realize it. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the fool's heart is in the house of myrrh, in the the party. Again, are you want to kill Solomon right now? He just told you in chapter 6, enjoy all of good life's good things. And now he says, yeah, funeral's better. Do you feel this? What what, what is Solomon's doing? Here's what he's doing, because he said... A good name is better than expensive perfume. It's better to the day of birth or the day of death than the day of birth. It's better to go to a funeral home than to the bar. Sorrow is better than laughter. What is he saying? He's saying in part of our reality of trying to live a good life and enjoying the good things in our life is understanding that the bad will help us do that. That the hard times, in fact, shape us. And if most of you that are older... If you're talking to young people, look back on your life and you'll say, if I would say, name three places in your life that shaped you to who you are today, the good of who you are today, most of you will name difficult things. Fair? The death of a parent, losing your job, sickness, you will name difficult things that made you into the good thing that you are today, the good person you are today. And that's what Solomon's saying. He's saying is God is committed to our good over our short-term happiness. Can I say it? God is committed to our good over our short-term happiness. And sometimes the best gift of God is to make us unhappy for a moment that he might shape us for the good. That's what Solomon's saying. So Solomon says it like this. A funeral is better than a birthday party. Because when you go to a funeral, do you not, parents, go home and hug your kids a little bit tighter? To go to a funeral of an older person and watch their spouse put them in the ground. Husbands, does that not want you, make you want to go home and hug your wife? Yes. That's what he's saying. He's saying the fool avoids tough times, avoids sad things, avoids the heaviness of heart because now I'm just going to go party. I'm going to forget about all the bad. I'm just going to go party. And he says what that guy will do is he'll party his whole life but really miss life's meaning, get to the end and say, I've wasted it. It's why I listen to sad music. I can live in it and remind myself of 
The reality of life's tough, so I can better enjoy good moments. Anyone familiar with the Enneagram? Enneagram people out here, some of you love it, some of you hate it. Kind of that's, there's no in-between on that. You either think it's stupid or you just dig everything. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. You know what that means? I want to party. A seven is motivated by avoiding pain at all costs. That's, that's me. I would rather live my life disconnected and disassociated from anything heavy, especially my own pain, and just try to pretend that life is always a party, but what Solomon's saying is the fool does that. That the heart of fools is in the house of myrrh, that that fool is just going to the party. He's talking about the reality for all of our lives that we disassociate to dull the pain in our life. We go shopping, we watch Netflix, we go to more destructive, addictive cycles, and it's all about dulling pain. And what Solomon says, actually when you do that, you miss the goodness of life. Because it's the hard times of life that actually give us the wisdom and the strength to enjoy the good. Emily and I were spending, we had a dinner with a friend uh, earlier in the week, and this, this friend had spent, has spent years running from pain in her life and hard times that she went through in her life. And over the past year, she started to face the pain of what she went through. And she's seen a huge change in her life. And here's what she said, and I wrote it down right after she said it. I told her I was going to use it in this sermon She says, I've learned this. I've got to address the negative in my life. Address the pain, but not live in it. I can't dismiss the pain anymore in my life. Because I don't want the pain to drive my life anymore. So just like the question, are you enjoying life's good things? Here's the question, are you in touch with the sadness of life? Are you watching your parents get older, knowing that one day you'll put them in the ground? Does that motivate you to make me enjoy it a little bit more? See, the hard things in life, Psalm will say, will actually lead us to enjoy the good. So the worst thing in life is not the difficult times. Actually, Solomon will say that's a gift. The worst thing in life is the reality that when you don't enjoy the good things in life, what he's saying is in chapter 7 that the bad, the house of mourning, will actually lead us to enjoy the good. He says this in in chapter 6, verse 12, and I realize I'm jumping around a little bit. It's on the screen. Because I couldn't, I couldn't pass this verse up, and it wasn't in my teaching plan. Who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life? Solomon's depressed. He's eating potato chips right now. Do you hear him? Who knows? He feels this, like, house of mourning. Who knows what's good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which passes like a shadow. He's at his lowest there. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun. Here's what Solomon's trying to teach us 
You're going to go through hard things. There's really beautiful gifts in your life. You better enjoy them all because pretty soon you'll be gone and no one will remember you. That none of us have any control what tomorrow will bring. None of us. None of us have any control about what happens as we drive home after church and that it could be over in one second. We have no control over the future of our lives. Would you agree with that? Now, you can save for retirement. You can eat all the, the spinach you want. You can do yoga every day and you can still get cancer. You have no control over your life. So he says, enjoy it. Enjoy every moment. Because you don't know this moment will happen again. That you have no control who lives, who dies, who will tell your story. Enjoy it. Okay, Hill City Church. In a hundred years, well, fifty years, no one will remember you. The thing you're stressed about right now, think about it. What are you stressed about? God, if you would just, in 50 years, does that matter? Nope. What, what achievement are you just dreaming about? Oh, when I get to this. In 50 years, no one cares. That promotion, you're chasing it. You're grinding for it. In 50 years, no one cares. That's what he's trying to tell us. So he says, live in the moment. The fool wallows in the past. Now, you need to address the past, but the fool wallows in the past. And the fool lives so far in the future that they miss today. He says, I've seen a tragedy, and that is a man has everything, and he does not find contentment. So the, picture, the, the teacher paints a picture of someone trying to gain more, unaware of what's right in front of them, un, unaware of who is right in front of them. See, the, the danger of the American dream is that we chase stuff not realizing the greatest gift of God is the people around us. Can we be reminded of Genesis chapter, the, the first couple of chapters of Genesis? Everything is good in, in Eden. God created it. It's beautiful. It's paradise. And it's almost heretical that the Bible says there was something that's not good. Adam was with God. He had everything. He had all that he needed. He had food. He had shelter. The, everything was flourishing. But there's something not good. What is it? He's alone. We are created for relationship. God is a relational God. We are the, made in the image of a God that is three in one, that's relational. We are created for relationship. And I, what, I think what Psalm is trying to teach us we can spend our whole life chasing stuff and miss the people that are around us. So we would say, instead of buying more stuff, enjoy the people around you. Instead of trying to accomplish more and achieve more, bless other people, that that's where contentment and joy is found in life. Here's what Solomon would tell you. Eat your meals slowly. Enjoy your friends and family. Enjoy, enjoy a good glasses of wine. Have two pieces of cake. My daughter makes awesome cake, and I plan on eating two pieces. She made one yesterday. Now, Solomon say the fool does that every day. <laughs> Don't do that every day. 
Here's the key key idea, I I believe, key idea of chapter 6 and 7. It's contentment, and contentment is found in balance. Mr. Miyagi had it right the whole time. Life's about balance. I need to enjoy the good gifts of God, the fun things, enjoy life, yet see that the bad is there, and I need to actually feel the bad and sit in the bad at times too, and that all those together will collectively work to my good. I got an email this week um, from one of, someone in our church. Uh, he's a, a new father. And uh, I, I was gonna, he sent it for Hill City Uncut, which we do in the, in the middle of the week. It's this award-winning show that we do. Um, if you haven't watched it, you should check it out. And I, I, was, I saw it, I was like, no, this is, this is my sermon Sunday. Here, here's what he says. This is email to me. As a guy who's really into hobbies and has a ton of interest, Ecclesiastes started a little annoying. I'd never read it. In my humble opinion, Solomon is, is dramatic, fun-sucking, Debbie Downer Karen. That's what he says about Solomon. He says, my wife and I have been on pursuit to pay off our house. It was a young, young married couple who's just like, we're going to pay off our house. The goal is to create margin in our life to create another level of freedom to joyfully bless others. So their goal is pay off our house. We want to be able to bless others and have freedom to do so, which is a beautiful gift, beautiful goal. He says it took 51 months We delayed many gratifications, found contentment, lost it, rediscovered it five times over, and we continued giving. On the last payment, I found myself hesitant to do so. I reached the finish line, and I saw the other side, and it looked about the same. So on the doorstep of paying off our mortgage, our only debt, it seemed so insignificant. It didn't change my life. I didn't become happier. In fact, we started looking at houses casually. Again, what a good goal, right? We're not, beautiful goal, pay up your house, work hard to do it. I love what he's saying. He's like, in the midst of that, I found myself, well, we could get a bigger house now. But he goes on. Remember, his goal was to pay off their house so they could bless others. He said, right after we had done this, I'm at work one day, and I overheard a coworker who hastily spoke to his manager and says, I just got a call from my wife. And my friend says, full transparency, I started eavesdropping. He said, I pieced together his wife had cancer and he and was having a reaction to medication and needed to, to, to leave work and be home with her. He says, in that lo- moment, the Lord put it on my heart to bless him. So I did what we dreamed of doing. I gave him several hundred dollars, nearly the amount of our mortgage payment, so, that he could, so he could have an incredible night with his wife. Here's what he says. It doesn't even make sense. I know next to nothing about him. I don't know if it was exactly what God wanted, but I'm going to err on the side of action and not paralysis. So he blesses this person. This is what he said. I then had a flood of guilt. How many times did I turn away from blessing others to work on paying down our house? Here's what he, and I love, I love the hard work that this young man's doing to evaluate his life. Here's what he said. We had a goal of paying off our our house, and we did as fast as we could. Again, not a bad thing. Good thing to get out of debt. And at the end, he said, I I could, because I did that, I could bless someone. I could write this huge check I couldn't have done. But here's what he says, yet, as I look back, I think we were so focused on that goal for those few years that I maybe missed lots of smaller opportunities. Do you hear what he's saying? It's about balance. 
It's about balance. That's, I think, the message of Solomon. This is Proverbs 11.1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. A just weight is his delight. Now, I was talking about scales at the marketplace, and so you could cheat people by having a, a balance that's off. But if I know the Bible, it's talking to more of life. Do you have balance? Seek true contentment requires balance. So as I, as I end today, let me speak to a few of you. College students, we have a few. We'll have a whole lot more the next two gatherings. I know you can't wait to get out of college. Some of you are taking 21 credit hours a semester. You're grinding and you're not enjoying it. College is a sweet time. I know you think you're busy. <laughs> Adults, can we all chuckle there? You're not. Enjoy it. Now, some of you on the flip side, you're not working hard and you're just going to the party every night. And, you're, and I think Ecclesiastes would tell you you're a fool also. College students, hear me. I know, here, here are the two things college students want. Money, more money, because I think they're poor, and a relationship. Can I tell you, students, there's a simplicity to ramen noodles that one day you'll miss. Any adults in the room? Amen. Students, will you hear that? Find yourself first. There we go. <laughs> We're going to start preaching in here. There is a contentment to ramen noodles that's really awesome. Because you're not worried about anything else. College students, hear me? Marriage will fix nothing. Okay, adults, you got to help me on this one. I'm going to say this again. No, I mean a lot. Marriage will fix nothing. It will just give you a lot more pain and a lot more heartache. Enjoy. College students, go to Taco Bell at 2 a.m. Because one day you won't have the energy to do it. One day you'll have too much heartburn to do that. <laughs> Enjoy it. Young professionals, let me talk to you. Young people, young adults, you're out of college. You have health, energy, time. You're starting to make a little bit of money. Here's what I think Solomon will tell you. Go to the Grand Canyon. Go on a road trip and have a blast. And... There's a 12-year-old girl that needs you all at the same time. There's a kid in our youth group that needs you to come alongside and love her just like people did you when you were a teenager. It's balance. To young professionals just trying to climb the ladder, I think Solomon say, say be careful because one day you may look and there's going to be no one with you on the ladder. To a young lady who has a kind, caring young man right in front of her, but she's hung up on the smooth talker and finding the good, tall, dark, and handsome guy. Solomon might say, hey, look out. There's a good man right in front of you. Married people, are you celebrating the good gifts of God? Are you enjoying your time together? You've been, some of you have been in the grind now, seven, eight, ten years. The honeymoon's over. It feels like a grind. Can you go back for a minute when you were 22 and foolishly in love? What were you dreaming about? Think about it. You go on a date with your spouse. So you're, it wasn't your spouse then. You were dating. What, what did you talk about? Oh, I can't wait till we can have kids. We can have a house. You have it. Everything you dreamed of, you have. Enjoy it. 
You don't need more. One of the best dates I look back that I've ever taken my wife on is our first year of marriage. We had nothing, nothing. She loves Christmas lights. I hate Christmas lights. She loves Christmas lights. So I, we got in our cheap Grand Am and we drove to the Shepherd of the Hills and drove through their Christmas lights thing. Guys, we had a cooler with a sandwich and a thing of Pringles that we ate as we drove through that place. <laughs> I go back there in a second and we dreamed, oh, one day we can go, one day we can go to Cheddar's. <laughs> that was our dream back then, right? Oh, Husbands, Proverbs will tell you, enjoy the wife of your youth. Here's Hood's translation. Chase your wife all around the house. Because one day you won't be able to. A sad song I like to listen to by a singer-songwriter. Here's what he says about his marriage. I'm no, it's knowing that it, this can't go on forever. Likely one of us will spend some days alone. Maybe we'll get 40 years together, but one day I'll be gone, or one day you'll be gone. Married people, the end will be tough. Enjoy it now. Parents, enjoy the stage of life you're in. I know some of you are like, I'm sick of buying diapers. Enjoy the stage of life you're in. I was talking to Brad before this. I was like, Brad, what's the one thing you miss Here's what he says, chest snaps. You know when your kids fall asleep on your chest and your arms fall asleep and you're like, I can't wait till this kid will get off me. Don't you dare say that because one day they won't. I tell my daughters, come, come cuddle with me, dad. Enjoy the stage of life you're in with your kids. Went to my parents' house this weekend with my youngest daughter, drove around the farm, shot, shot guns, rode four-wheelers, rode a golf cart. I need to enjoy every second of that because one day she won't want to ride a golf cart with her dad. There'll be another man beside her. My oldest daughter, she, she loves Hamilton. She gets in the car. We turn it on as loud as we can. And we just get after it. And we do the Lafayette part and I do the Lafayette and she does the kicking this. She does a really fast rap part. She knows all the words. And we just enjoy it. Empty nesters, retired, kids are out of your house. Here's what I'll tell you, spoiled grandkids. I mean, give them everything they want and then send them back to their parents, let them deal with it. And, and go get a lake house and enjoy it. But remember, your work isn't done yet. Don't you waste your retirement years hitting a golf ball and spending it at the lake. Enjoy that, do that. Yet, there's a young couple, there's a 25-year-old married couple that's about to kill each other that needs your help. They need you to take them to your lake house and invest in them. Here's the message of Solomon. God gives us good blessings. It's a good gift of the Lord, but he actually, the gift of God is he gives us the ability to enjoy them. Are you enjoying your life? We believe here that God is a giver of good things, that the word of the enemy is what he did to Eve. Did God actually say, you don't need more money, as a way to trick us, to think God is against us? God is for your good. May you enjoy the season of life because it is for your good. Let's pray together.